Has there ever been a more vital time for the return of soul to health care? I think not. Hi, it's Cheryl Sitz, and welcome to another episode of Exploring Possibilities. You may notice in the background a few hummingbirds, a couple of howler monkeys coming through here and there. I thought we needed some nature sounds, and what better than Costa Rica to bring that through for us? Is everybody going stir-crazy in the house yet or what? (laughs) So here's a little touch of nature. Hopefully you found lots of great convenient ways to find our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play. We're working on getting a couple of other platforms like iHeartRadio and Spotify in the near future. And our whole library of shows, 250 Conscious Conversations on journeyofpossibilities.com. In just a moment, we'll talk with Dr. Bonnie McLean about her new book, Integrative Medicine, The Return of the Soul to Healthcare. First, it's time to check in with Mario Rosales, who patiently produces show after show over here. Mario, you've had some interesting work going on with teaching people how to use technology recently. Yeah, it's been interesting uh, with, uh, with everything going on right now. It's like I've been getting a lot of uh, requests for guiding people how to do stuff rather than me showing them. And it's, it's the kind of work I love to do, guiding people how to do things. Like for right now, a lot of people are learning about Wix. And they want to know how to modify it. Even we've managed to create a whole website just by being remote and helping this person out. So I love that kind of stuff. It's a lot of fun for me. Yep. So you can contact Mario and he can kind of work something out with you by the hour where he teaches you how to use a platform so you can do your own work. Perfect. Yes. And tell us about astrofractals. So the other thing that I've really gotten into is the astrofractal is creating a formula based on your birth date and time and your full birth name. And out of that has come out, uh, it comes out a fractal. If you look at my Facebook profile, look up Mario Rosales and you'll see uh, fractals in my profile. And I've done a couple for the COVID-19 so people can see those. And those are pretty cool. And you can get more on astrofractals.com. Dr. Bonnie McLean, founder of SpiritGate Medicine, which is found online at spiritgatemedicine.com, has over five decades in professional health care. Her experience includes Chinese medicine, hypnosis, nutrition, herbal medicine, electrostimulation, energy healing, energy psychology, and shamanic healing. 2019's Top Doctor of Oriental Medicine and Acupuncturist of the Year by the International Association of Top Professionals, she joins us now to discuss her new book, relatively new, Integrative Medicine, The Return of the Soul to Healthcare. Welcome, Dr. McLean. Oh, thank you, Cheryl. Call me Bonnie, please. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Bonnie, thank you. And I just want to start off by saying anybody who walks the talk is somebody that I want to know better and somebody whose wisdom I really want to follow also. And you do that. We were supposed to have this interview a few days ago, and you reached out and said, I'm not feeling so well. I need to turn my energy inward. Good for you. Um, Thank you so much for understanding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm learning to do for myself what I tell everybody else to do all the time. And that's one one beautiful thing about what's happening right now, you know, with this whole pand- pandemic thing. Mm-hmm. I'm um, being forced, you know, here I am at home. I can't go see my patients. And I'm having to, you know, go inward a lot and, and really pay attention to taking the best care of myself I can. And that's the beginning and end of healthcare, right? That, that's so much of healthcare is self-care, right? Absolutely. Well, as you mentioned in your book, you were raised by a doctor and a nurse. So 
caregiving, caretaking has kind of been a part of, it's in your DNA for God's sakes. So <laughs> we aren't the best at taking care of ourselves when we want to take care of others, are we? No, we're not. And on top of that, it, both of my parents were, they were wonderful parents. They were wonderful people. They were professionals and they were both alcoholics. So wow. I, I also learned how to take care of other people that way as well. I became way too good a caregiver, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know, I'm a professional caregiver and I think it's important that, I mean, that's what we do. You know, we're, we are wounded healers and that's why we go into the profession because I think that this is how we learn what healing is about. And in healing ourselves, we learn how to help other people better. That is so true. What I loved most about you in your book is how you put the responsibility for a certain degree of daily self-care back on us as individuals, all of us, and then take a more of a global look at healthcare and say, you know, Eastern medicine's doing some things great and Western medicine's doing some things great. And there's a time and a place for each. And that's really kind of the, the current that runs throughout your book in my perception of it. Is that, was that your intention to point that out that way? Absolutely. It, I, I really think it's uh, both and. It's not either or. We don't have to choose between one or the other. And I find people at both ends of the spectrum, you know, some people uh, only want to take care of themselves and they don't ever want to go see a doctor. And then at the other end, you know, I see people that are seeing me as a last resort because nothing that they've done in Western medicine is quite gotten it. You know, they may have some chronic problem or usually chronic pain or, you know, chronic emotional issues and I'm their last resort. So I see the two ends of the continuum, and I always try to bring them back toward the middle a little bit and introduce them to what they're missing. You know, for example, um, I had, I've had i had three patients now who came in. They didn't have a doctor. They didn't want to have a doctor. And I'm at the point where I won't see someone unless they have their own physician now. But they they came in with symptoms that as a nurse I knew were dangerous, you know, bleeding and um, bloating, you know, uh, weight gain and within a month, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm not going to treat you until you go see your physician and then, then come back and see me. And all three of them had cancer. One of them had uh, uterine cancer. One had ovarian cancer and the other one, what did she have? I think she had uterine cancer as well. And so they all ended up, they're all still alive. They ended up going, getting their surgery, chemo, whatever it took, and they're still here. So, you know, and then the other, and you can have the other extreme too, where people won't take care of themselves and they come in with a lot of lifestyle related issues. And all I can do is, educate them and try to, um, you know, open up a new world for them, you know, give them advice and maybe, you know, guide them with their diet and with their lifestyle, but I can't do it for them. Right. So, you know, they have to take the ball and be willing to run with it. And some people do, and some people don't, you know, it's all, it's all a personal choice, isn't it? Well, and, and what we've kind of been culturalized 
to believe about our own health care. As you and I were just chatting about before we started the show, I remember as a little girl, when I did go to the doctor, it was, and how have you been eating? And have you been exercising? And the doctor put some responsibility back on me. I never liked to hear that. I wanted him to just give me a magic (laughs) pill and fix it, whatever it was. But the responsibility, it was clear that it was on me first for my health care. I think that message has gotten lost in the way Western medicine is now practiced with you know, co-pays and in and out in two minutes, and you don't get that kind of conversation anymore. And if the doctor doesn't tell you, and your mom and dad aren't babying you anymore, you know, you're a grown-up, who's going to remind you that it's our job? Oh, absolutely. That was the generation my dad and my mother were in, where they, dad would, he'd make house calls, and we, patients had our home phone, and, um, and he did. He'd work with the whole the whole body of the person. Even though he was a urologist, he would address other issues if they needed it and then refer them to different people if, if they needed that. Um, so, you know, we never saw him, but he did practice that kind of hands-on medicine. Mm-hmm. And my mother did, too, as a nurse. She remembered the times when she used to bathe the patients and actually cook for them way back. Wow. So things have changed. And unfortunately, our medicine has become a big business. And it's treated like a big business. It's a profit motive underlying everything. And I I really think that that's not right. It, we, we don't need we don't need to be making money off of sick people. Well, you share some startling information just in the the preface to your book or the forward. I, I, I actually marked it so I could spit out just a couple of these things that you share in here that even though I hear this stuff all the time, it's like, wow, I still can't get over it. Although the U.S. has only 5% of the world's population, we consume 80% of prescription drugs. Chronic disease is responsible for 7 of 10 deaths each year. And the Kaiser Health News reported approximately $750 billion wasted on inefficient health care, which you flagged as like unneeded care, Byzantine paperwork, fraud, and waste. Half the U.S. population spends nothing on health care, while 5% of the population spends half the total budget on health care. That's, that's a big wake-up call. I mean, and we've got plenty of time, all of us in our homes right now, unless we're caregivers out there exhausted from trying to deal with this thing, to look at how we're taking care of our bodies. Plant a couple of, of, of vegetables at home and, and, and learn a workout routine at home and come home to ourselves in a more responsible, loving way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a shame the way our med- medicine has gone. And I'm hoping that this may, may be one of the blessings of what's happening to us right now. To me, there's a gift you know, in everything. And we not we may not be seeing it right now because uh, we're so stressed with everything. But I really feel like now there is a potential for all of us, including myself, to really learn about the self-care and really be able to focus on that. We, I mean, what else are we going to do with our time, you know, at home? And we might as well turn it inward. Yes. Well, Bonnie, let's start by just having you clarify. Integrative medicine means different things to different people. It can mean Eastern and Western. It can mean mind, body, spirit. It can mean holistic and pharmaceutical blending. What do you mean when you say integrative medicine? 
Uh, I mean the best of both worlds, of the Western medicine as well as the natural medicine. And being able to be educated enough to know when to use what. And it is, it is holistic, body, mind, emotions, and spirit. I think that uh, each, I think the Western medicine has certain things to offer, and so does the natural medicine. Both can work on the body for sure, but the Western medicine really focuses on the body. If we focus on the mind, that usually goes into the realm of the psychologist or the psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. The emotions, that might go in that realm as well, but to me, uh, holistic body, mind, emotions, and spirit all of those can be addressed also with, with the natural medicine. Right. Yes. And I, I've been learning firsthand the power of all the different ways of going about it. You know, right now I'm going through having some physical triggers help release physical trauma, cellular memory and trauma. And I've spent eight years doing the emotional release and the, I mean, there are so many different layers to what makes us up. And I think the more we start to treat the whole person, take care of our whole selves and look at the fact that it's not disconnected. If I'm having this issue with my body, there's something else going on somewhere else. It's all connected. And that message seems to have gotten lost in a lot of medical practices. Well, that's awesome that you're doing so much good self-care and that you're really addressing what, you know, what we might call the shadow, the side of us that a lot of times people hide. Mm-hmm. because it's our culture. We want to, like I said, we want to have the stiff upper lip and not complain about anything. And I think it's time that we all allowed ourselves to on much deeper levels than perhaps we have as a, as a culture. You're a wonderful example. Well, I do it the way most people do it. When my life becomes unmanageable, oh, it's time to deal with that. <laughs> That's what pushed me into all of this. My life, literally my whole distracted life fell apart a few years ago and it was time for a radical change and radical change showed up and it's been a gift. It really has, but it's had some dark moments as I go through stuff that I spent my whole life running from because what I've learned firsthand is that it stays in the body until we're ready to look at it. And that's not healthy necessarily. (laughs) Right. And it can make us sick. I I believe that if it stays locked in the cellular memory, that that's what can end up turning into some kind of an illness. Yes, I believe that too. So what do you mean? So as, as, as I've shared some of the statistics at the beginning of your book, it would not look, according to those numbers, like there is a lot of soul in healthcare right now. But your book talks about the return of soul to healthcare. Are you, are you suggesting that it's already coming back and maybe we're not seeing it yet? Or are you saying it's time for it to come back? Or are you inviting us to bring it back? <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> I, do, I do see it coming back. We, we're not aware of it so much because it's not mainstream. But there are a number of institutions, believe it or not, in the country that do have a form of integrative medicine in them. Duke University is one, uh, Scripps, uh, UCLA, University of Miami, Cleveland Clinic. I mean, there are a lot of very uh, well-known um, institutions, hospitals, clinics, you know, that have it. And then we also have, a lot of times people have to practice their own version of it. They'll have their MD, but then they'll have someone like me, an acupuncturist, 
and they may have their chiropractor or massage therapist, uh, maybe a nutritionist or whatever. There are a lot of people that are creating their own integrative form of medicine with their own health. Um, and I, I think I'm also seeing nurses and doctors being very, they're as stressed as we are as patients with the, how the medicine medical system is. A lot of doctors are retiring early or they're moving into what they call concierge medicine where they, it's kind of like going back to the old, you know, family doctor, except you pay like, you know, a couple thousand dollars a year and then you have them available to you 24 seven. And they do uh, coaching, they counsel you, they're there for you in your crisis. So, you know, I do see that happening. I also see, like in my office, I work with two chiropractors, two massage therapists, and I'm the acupuncturist. We all work together as a team. We really um, support each other. If one of us gets ill or we're not feeling good that day or whatever, all the rest of us, everybody in there is a healer, by the way. They've all been trained to be a healer. Um, and so we're all there for each other, but we also, and we don't compete at all. We all work together for the benefit of the patient. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful place. And but we also will refer out. And so we have a very large referral base of MDs that we work with and who refer back to us. So and there are a lot of practices like that that I don't think we notice on the surface. In China, too, they have been, believe it or not, they have been practicing integrative medicine since the 19, I'm thinking the 1930s or 1940s, because they brought in Western medicine back with Chiang Kai-shek, which was before a lot of people's time, I'm aging myself here, but with Chiang Kai-shek, he wanted to westernize China, and he actually outlawed uh, acupuncture for a while. So whoever practiced it did it in the small villages or they hid it, but it wasn't part of the, their medicine. And he brought doctors from the West into China and sent doctors from China into the West to learn Western medicine. Then when uh, Mao Zedong took power, he didn't, he wasn't really a fan of Chinese medicine, but he wanted China to return to some of its historic roots. So for that reason, he did bring back acupuncture and, and the um, Chinese herbs. So ever since then, they have they will practice both. And if you go to like one of their larger hospitals, they'll have one wing that's Western and one wing that's the traditional Chinese medicine. And a patient there, since it's kind of socialized, they keep their own charts. So they're empowered with themselves having their own information their own chart. I mean, look how hard it is for us to get our own chart now here. <laughs> really? But they, but they can't choose which doctor they see because it is socialized. They, If it's not an emergency, they can choose which wing they want to go to. If it is an emergency, they will go to the Western wing. That's the one that they're sent to, where they can either get medications, they can have certain procedures done, they can have surgeries. Um, and But if if they say they get over the crisis and they will send them back over to the TCM wing where they can learn how to take better care of themselves. So they'll maybe be put on some Chinese herbs, 
they may have some acupuncture, they may have some massage, uh, they may be taught how to do the qigong or tai chi, because believe it or not, a lot of the young people don't even do that anymore. It's the older generation. The young people are very westernized, and they they do their, is their exercise through uh, ballroom dancing and racquetball. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but it's, it's very interesting. To me, that that's really a, a good model, although... The Chinese medicine doesn't focus as much as we do on the emotional body. So in that way, I think that we have more, we have the potential for a larger version of what they're doing of, of the integrative medicine. Right. I agree. And, and, and you asked about what the soul of healthcare. To me, the soul means the healing aspect of care. And like you said, that's not there now. You know, if anybody touches us, it's going to be in the hospital by a nurse's aide that has to feed us or something. Mm -hmm. But who who does laying on of hands? There was a period of time where there was a woman named Dolores Krieger that was teaching nurses how to do laying on of hands. And they were actually doing that in the hospital. There are some that will bring in massage therapists and some of the larger institutions will bring in acupuncturists. But to me, you know, the soul is that healing aspect. It's not just fixing symptoms. It's working on the whole level of the body, mind, emotions, and spirit. Well, and again, what I heard you say as you went through all of that is that we can take so much responsibility for that for ourselves. We can put together our own care team. We can make sure that we're getting, I mean, that's how I've had to learn. I've had to relearn how to take care of myself. And and not have it be based on what will insurance cover and what does insurance want me to do, which has become the Western way of looking at our health. Who's my primary care provider? Well, what are, what's, what are the ones on my insurance plan? Everything is insurance-oriented instead of being, who's a good doctor? Oh, and who's, who's a good massage therapist? And, oh, I'd like to have a chiropractor. Building our team and finding a way... To, to work with all of that because our what's helping us pay for this everything's become so expensive that what I get as a holistic practitioner is well you're not covered by my insurance well I, I finally I end up with them when insurance isn't helping them or they're doing all these other things and they're still frustrated I end up being more of like a secondary last resort person that they think of than yeah. building me into their preventative team so that they don't need so much of what the insurance covers later you know you're so right. You're absolutely right. I don't. I don't even take insurance. Though, well, the only insurance I do take is um, with the veterans, with the Tricare, right. Tri West. It's called here, and that's because I love the veterans and I love working with them. So, that's the one insurance I take. But that's it. And I just figure, if people don't value their health enough to be you know participating in it like what you're talking about they don't they probably don't need to be seeing me Mm -hmm. well I think we have a responsibility to ourselves we have to love ourselves enough to say okay let me look at the overall cost of my well-being and maybe it's worth spending a little more on organics and on massage Mm -hmm. and on chiropractor and acupuncture. And, and I I mean, I'm a Reiki practitioner and vibrational healing. And there's so many things that we can do to Mm -hmm. take care of our, of our energy flow and our health and our well-being. 
and it may cost more on the front end, but I'm not spending all that money on doctors and prescriptions. And I don't have high blood pressure anymore. I don't, I don't have diabetes. I don't have any of that stuff because I'm, I'm rethinking the way I take care of myself. I think that's the call to action we're all facing right now. Are we ready to rethink the way we take care of ourselves? Yes, I, to- I totally agree with you. I, I do the same thing. I've had to I've had challenges, emotional and physical, throughout my life. So I've had to learn through my own experiences how to do that kind of self-care and how to be able, how to choose how to get it from the outside. If I, you know, it's not something that I can do for myself. I I see that I see the patient as being like the orchestra leader. He's, and you describe this, you know, where the the orchestra leader is the one in control, in charge of how this music is going to come out. Mm-hmm. And he will bring the whole group together and he'll point at whatever section, you know, like say you're the string section mm-hmm. and I'm the drum section and, you know, the MD is the horn section and, you know, the chiropractor is what other things, the, the flute section. <laughs> but, exactly. But you know, we each have a role in the big picture, but it's the patient that's actually in control of who he points at as to who is going to be playing at that time. Exactly. Well, you talk about self-care in your book, and I, uh, this book is just a very practical book. Again, I want to mention the title, Integrative Medicine, The Return of the Soul to Healthcare. I think this is a great book for holistic practitioners, for MDs, for waiting rooms, for I think kind of any of us that would like to get a better uh, a better attitude toward our well-being, uh, rethink the way we approach healthcare. And so I like that you have practical tips in here and you dedicate a whole chapter to the art of self-care. You also weave it through the book, but you want to talk to me a little about your, your passion for self-care and what you recommend most for people? Well, it's, it's easy. I mean, it's what we learned in, in our science clubs, I guess, in, in high school or junior high, of the regular hygiene that we, it's, it's not that hard. <laughs> you know, I mean, fresh air, which is harder and harder to get, but we can use our, our air purifiers in our homes at least. And, you know, good foods, healthy foods, and that means not packaged stuff, stay off of the sugar, Stay low, at least, on on the alcohol if you drink at all. At least, you know, not. I wouldn't even say moderate. I would say light, light use. Um, get a, get enough sleep. That's so important, and we don't value enough sleep in our culture because we are we all tend a little bit toward workaholism. We keep our foot on the accelerator, and if we don't, we think we're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. We, we need that rest. It's the yin yang. We it. You know, we need just as much of one as the other so that they create a balance. That's what that yin-yang sign means, you know, is the the active and the passive both. So we need that. We need nature, which is what you brought into this. Uh, <laughs> nature. I love working in my garden in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've been actually eating my own little plants and herbs this last month now. <laughs> And, you know, I have to say, I, I, I'm guilty of working too hard myself. And, uh, you know, I would give a lot, a lot of my uh, 
plants away to people that actually cooked more than I did. So mm-hmm. this has been an ta- entirely different uh, experience. Uh, I think also an important part of being healthy is community. We are not, we're certainly not going to make it through this pandemic by playing John Wayne. We need our community. We need each other, whether it's, if we can't do it face-to-face in person with the social distancing, we can still connect like you and I are right now, like, you know, people can on Zoom or on the phone, or my sister and I have even gone back to writing handwritten letters to each other. Oh, I love that. We can text, you know, we can do FaceTime, it, but we, we need to know that we're not alone. I think community has been one of my biggest healing factors, because I think for years, because I chose a profession that was not main, mainstream, and this was like 40 years ago now, I really felt pretty alone, and I felt like I just had to kind of walk to my own drummer and to find that I'm not, that there's so many other people that have followed the same path and that are coming together more and more. It's made a whole difference in my own outlook. And again, you know, I'm feeling the community a lot more right now, too, not just with my uh, colleagues, my health colleagues, or my family, but strangers. Mm-hmm. If I take a walk out of my neighborhood, people are actually waving that I don't know in silence. And I'm noticing that drivers seem like they're not as, you know, eager to get where they're going and they, you know, they're more polite. I don't know if it's my imagination, but I just feel like there's more of a kindness in general that, um, that I'm experiencing and more of a sense of community. Like my neighborhood has a little newsletter and that's bringing us all together. And I know uh, after Hurricane Ivan here, I did not know my neighbors before Hurricane Ivan. And that was very traumatic for us. Uh, I was in my house and I wasn't even sure my house was gonna be around me when the next morning came. It was a pretty intense hurricane. I walked out the front door and some of my neighbors walked out the front door around the same time to see if our house was still there and see what trees had gone down. And we all just looked at each other and we all walked over and gave each other a hug. And I've known my neighbors ever since then. That's wonderful. What a timely message. What a timely reminder. Mario and I were were talking the other day about, you know, usually when we have a hurricane or something here, and we get plenty of them in Texas, usually when something like that happens, we can, if we if it really gets to be too much, get in our car and go to another state, go, go visit some friends, go visit some family, get out of here and then come back, you know, just to take a break from the trauma. This has been a global situation. None of us have anywhere to run. None of us have anywhere to hide. But by that very definition, we are all in this together. I mean, wouldn't it be fabulous if the whole world stepped out at the end of this and gave each other a hug like you're talking about? Absolutely. I really do. I think it's going to enhance our our level of compassion for ourselves and everybody else. I really do. Like you said, we're all in this together. We are. This is a community. uh, This is a collective trauma that we can be a community to focus on, a collective community, a a global community, a humanity community. Yes. And I do hope that after this, 
And I, I don't think it's going to be like flipping a switch. Okay, we're indoors. Okay, now we're all outdoors again. I think it's going to be kind of a gradual thing as we move through the stages of this. But I hope that we will bring forward some of the things that we discover. I'm back in the kitchen and I'm one of those people I was sharing with somebody on social media the other day. We were having a conversation. You know, it's easy to say, oh, I don't really want to go to that much trouble to cook for one. I'll just pick something up on my way home or on my way here or on my way there. I think a lot of us do that too. And I've rediscovered my kitchen and it's like, oh, look at that. I actually can cook for one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you sound like me. (laughs) So maybe we can keep these great habits. (laughs) Yes, it is. I actually cooked some of the the cabbage that I had grown in my garden, but I have to admit I needed help to do it. So (laughs) I had some friends that are cooks and they told me what I had done wrong wrong the first time and I did it again and it was good. Awesome. Yeah. So maybe we're all picking up something that we normally don't have time for and it's in some way nurturing our soul. I think it's the return of soul to so much more than healthcare right now. And it's a really great book that you are putting out. It's so timely when we're all focused on our well-being to to pick this book up and say, oh, here's some things that I can do to take better care of myself. Here's a more expansive way of looking at my health care and global health care and finding our own voice to speak up and say, I want to work with a team that will work with each other. If If my doctor isn't open to this, maybe it's time to find a new doctor. I want yes. to create what I need for me and, and use our voice and ask for what we need and get it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, I, I wanted, can I just take one minute to talk about how the Chinese are handling this? Absolutely. Because they're doing it in an integrative way. And I, I didn't realize this until I was studying more about how COVID-19 works and how it can be treated. So to me, they are treating it in an integrative way. There are four stages that people are saying that that COVID is. The first one is asymptomatic. A person may have it for sometimes three days or up to two weeks, but they don't have any symptoms. Or if they do, they're extremely mild. You know, they think it's just a cold or something. And then they move into some, and if people have really strong immune systems, it stays there. It may move into a second stage, which you start getting some of the symptoms that they talk about, which could be like the sore throat, the runny nose, the little slight fever, chills, fatigue, a little bit maybe of a cough and some muscle aches and some uh, malaise maybe. So this means that the virus is uh, taking hold and in the nose and the nose and the throat and it's still incubating. By the time, a lot of times, people go to get help, it's gone down into that third stage where it's moving down into the lungs. And the reason it's so dangerous is that it has those little, it's called, um, you know, corona because it has a crown. It has all these little spikes that will manage to get into the cell. It's uh, and, and it has an affinity for the lungs. So as it starts moving down into the lungs, that's when a lot of people you know, realize that they're in trouble. And they'll definitely have a, a cough. They might get, might get chest pain or shortness of breath. Sometimes they get abdominal pain and their fever goes up. This is when it's trying to move into that viral pneumonia. So the way the Chinese, and then the four stages recovery. So the, the way the Chinese work is they use their Chinese medicine more for the f- first two stages, the 
the prevention, that's the big, that's really the most important stage. If we can prevent it, we can, if we can keep our immune system strong and healthy, we can either prevent it or we can keep it from going deeper. So that's extremely important. We don't wait until we have the symptoms. And then the second stage are the mild symptoms, which that's what I felt like I had several days ago, kind of. I, I did have some of those symptoms. And like, as I said, I, I didn't really get scared about it. I just paid more attention. I said, okay, I need to up my game and double, you know, the supplements that I'm taking and, you know, pay more attention to everything and get, you know, more rest and really watch it, you know, take care of myself. So if somebody, and I, and I've, I, I feel good. I feel like I, whatever was going on has been uh, stopped. The third stage is when the Chinese send people to the Western medicine. And that's when they give them the medications, you know, like that anti-malarial uh, shot, that drug that they, it's not a shot, it's a drug that they give. Uh, and there's an antiviral drug um, can't remember the names of them now. That was that hydroxychlorophen or something. Um, I even I don't know. <laughs> anyway, there there are a couple of the drugs that uh, Donald Trump was talking about. Right. Um, as far as that, since we don't have you know the vaccines, and they probably aren't going to show up for a while. But then once they about 4% don't make it. And once they get put on a ventilator, you know, that, that means that they're really in critical condition. So hopefully it can be arrested before then. And apparently they're even experimenting some with vitamin C IVs over there, and which I would like to see here. And, and from what I've read, there's also a preventive, uh, like a convalescent plasma where they're experimenting with giving people plasma from people that have recovered from it. But I think that that's down the line a little bit. But then when a person does recover and they go into that fourth stage of recovery, I think it's extremely important to go back to the whole preventive regimen that a person has been, you know, has put themselves on. And I have a blog on my webpage if anybody wants to know what at least what I've been doing and what I've researched on what to take in all of those situations. I, you know, I don't recommend it for the third stage. This is when we need the, you know, whatever we can do to stay alive, you know, right. the Western stuff. But the, but the other three stages are really important. And sometimes people would relapse from what I've read. So you want to be able to get yourself healthy again, even though, you know, you might have gone through the recovery stage. You can be pretty wiped out. And we really have to focus on building ourselves back up again. Exactly. Thank you for sharing all of that. It's interesting because I barely got over to New Zealand and squeaked back through San Francisco International Airport and got back to Texas when all of the when it shifted and, and they started locking down and saying, Hey, this is the, you know, and we started having a problem here in the U S and oh. 
And so as you're probably familiar, when you travel that many hours halfway around the globe or whatever, it's exhausting. And to do it out somewhere, go for a couple of weeks and then come back. My body was pretty run down when I got back. And I did get a bug for about 30 hours. And, and I had loaded up on preventative stuff and system bolstering stuff and was loading up on C and everything else when I got home. And it still knocked me down for about 30 hours. But I don't know that I didn't experience some of it and then come back from it. And it, mm-hmm. it's really easy sometimes when we get sick to go, oh, well, I didn't do enough. We don't know how sick we could have gotten. And, <laughs> you know, that's worth looking at. If we do the preventative, even if we get sick, we may not get as sick as we would have gotten if we weren't taking good care of ourselves. So I think the preventative is always important. Oh, absolutely. And and you did. You, you brought up a good point about the fatigue that you can get in traveling and how that does lower the immune system. And that's true of stress. We really need to also do self-care around stress because I know this experience is stressful in a lot of ways for all of us. Yes. So, but stress is going to affect our immune system. So whatever we need to do, whether it's the meditation or the yoga or the spiritual work or, you know, supplements, there's certain, you know, supplements we can take that can help calm us down. There are essential oils, you know, there's rescue remedy. There are all kinds of things that we can do. We can go online with somebody that can do a, a hypnosis session with us, right? Right. <laughs> there are a lot of there are a lot of different things. Um, and again, going back to the foods, the foods that will stress our bodies. I'm not a believer in GMO foods. I think that that stresses the body. Uh, and the packaged foods and anything with sugar, um, anything with that might have Roundup on it. So I, if I, I don't even eat wheat anymore because I don't know, uh, unless it's, you know, unless I know it's organic gluten-free wheat, Mm -hmm. that's rare, but you know, we have to watch those kinds of things because they will build up and, and lower our immune system. And no, no matter what else we might be doing, those toxins are in there, right? Yes. And even supplementation wise, I do my part with supplements, but I wasn't getting enough calcium and magnesium and just shifting that has been Mm. noticeable to me on so many levels. Everything that wasn't quite right just kind of slid right into place when I started doing that. So I think it's not just taking supplements, but even being mindful to make sure that you're getting what you need of those things to go through these challenging times where our systems need to be as strong as they can be. And just all the common sense stuff you mentioned earlier. It's it's good to remember all these things right now because, you know, we need to be so conscientious of taking care of ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so glad you got well, too. <laughs> Thank you. And you. This was wonderful. And And that didn't used to be my story. My story used to be I'd get sick, I'd go to the doctor, I'd get a prescription, I'd go home and I'd stay home feeling horrible until the pills worked. And it's been a complete rethink. And it's worth the trouble of learning how to take care of ourselves because I don't get sick like that all the time anymore. It's so worth learning. I know you and I have similar histories. I had to kind of hit bottom to learn these things. And that's how I got actually into the field I'm in back in, I was nursing for 20 years and I burned out and I was stressed and I started getting ill a lot. And I had to learn to do something different. And I was out in California back in the 1970s and 80s. And that was when the holistic movement was birthed. And that was what brought me around was, you know, learning all those self-care things that we've been talking about and practicing them. 
and that and then that motivated me. I thought, man, I like this natural medicine, and so I went back to school and went back into acupuncture. <laughs> I'm glad you did, and look at the great book that came out of all of that. It all worked perfectly. <laughs> Cheryl. <laughs> Well, it looks like we're about to wrap up here. I so appreciate everything that you've shared. I feel like, um, and, and if you want more listener, please check out Integrative Medicine, The Return of the Soul to Healthcare. This is such an easy book to read and informative. And I think my favorite thing about it is it shows the value of each thing in its own time, in its own place, each system, each way of doing things. No judgment of this is good and that's bad, just... What if we balance the best of what everything has to offer in, in a more holistic way toward healthcare? What does that look like? It gives a really good vision for that. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you. Do you have a parting thought that you would like to leave us with today? I think you just gave it. <laughs> oh, but I want to tap into your wisdom. <laughs> oh, gosh. Love ourselves. Love ourselves enough to take care of ourselves. Yes. Yes, that's, I'm still a baby in learning that, but yes, that's it right there. Well, those of us that are caregivers, if we don't take care of ourselves, we're not there to take care of anybody else, Ryan. Amen. Amen. And so many right now are taking care of others from our homeschooling, our kids to, to first responders and people out there in the world trying to take care of all of us that are freaking out and wondering what to do with ourselves and needing more toilet paper and needing more of yes, yes. And blessings, blessings to the first responders. Thank all of you. Yes. Yes, that too. And thank you for joining us for the show today. Let us know what you thought of this conversation. Check out Dr. McLean's book and leave us some feedback on our website. And while you're there, show us a little financial support so we can keep the show going. You can do all of that at journeyofpossibilities.com. I'm Cheryl Sitz inviting you to join us next time for another episode of Exploring Possibilities.